in our life and our decisions, our choices, our actions, and how much of those things that we're exposed to are a result of this thing that we've been looking at that, that we're calling the invisible world, of which there is one all around us, right? And the warfare that is happening within the context of that invisible world. I would submit to you a lot of what is happening, including, I mean, we have to take personal responsibility, and I get that, but there are a lot of things that are influential in our life that we know the root cause of, don't we? Did you turn it on? Sir, I did. So, having said that, the question last week that we asked was, do you have a biblical worldview of spiritual warfare? Do you have a biblical worldview of spiritual warfare? There were some yeses and some noes, and I, I'm not sure, and I think so this last week. Which is good, isn't it? It's, it's good. So it's good to ask that question, because quite frankly, we should have as Pastor Richie likes to do, a biblical worldview <laughs> of everything, shouldn't we? And so this is no different. That's not your normal and so, no, it's not. I brought one that is a little easier to handle as my, my other one is starting to fall apart again. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it, it's, why is, that, why is that an important question if you have a biblical worldview of, of spiritual warfare? determined from your total outlook on spiritual warfare period. Okay. It, how to overcome it. Okay. How to, deal it. how to deal with it. Your total view of it in, in its totality. You know there's victory. Okay. If you have a biblical worldview, you already know that we're, we, we fight these battles in our lives from victory. Or just that it exists. Or just that it exists. Because the non-believers say uh, <coughs> Whatever, myth, or just... Part of what we're going to look at tonight, actually. Yeah, no, that's good. You're operating from a truth perspective. Bingo. Operating from a truth perspective. You see that we can lay everything out then from a biblical worldview if we know what the, what the, what the Bible says about this spiritual, these spiritual battles that we're in. And so there's nothing to be afraid of because we have been given the truth. So, having said that, let's, let's turn to Ephesians. We always start in Ephesians. The last couple of weeks we've been taking a look at three verses that need to guide all of our thinking as we walk through every step of these six biblical truths that we're going to be looking at in the context of spiritual warfare, the first one of which, of course, is that there is an invisible world. The second one is that there, um, as believers, we are involved by default, whether you're a believer or you're not, actually. But we're believers here, so as believers, we are involved in not only the invisible world, but an invisible war that is going on around us. Amen? And whether you like it or not, that our enemy is a formidable one. We're going to we're going to start looking at that tonight and go the next couple of weeks taking a look at getting a, a basis for really what is the enemy and understanding the enemy. Because when we have that understanding, um, we, we get, because you have to know your enemy if you're going to be in these battles. 
um, and that, that we can respect and not fear the enemy and we know that the war is won but the battle rages and of course we know that we, we fight from victory, right? So Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, very, very familiar, isn't it? Very familiar passages and it is the basis. Just these three verses are the basis for getting us to think. We need to think clearly about about the biblical truth about spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. I'd like to read it aloud and together. Okay? Because this is the basis for everything that we are talking about relative to spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Okay? It is the beginning. We will look at how to deal with it Ultimately, by putting on this spiritual armor that the writer of Ephesians talks about, right? But let's let's read Ephesians six ten through twelve together. Ready? Begin. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take a stand against every scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the world, and against the spiritual forces of the in the heavenly realms. What is it in these three verses that should be guiding us as we think about spiritual warfare? Specifically. We work from the his mighty power. The, his, his mighty power. It's his mighty power. Whose mighty power is it that we deal with these things from victory, not for? In whose power do we do it? His. His. Remember that. Guide, guide, guide. You must always remember that any spiritual battle you're engaged with is only dealt with from his power, not yours. The question is, do you recognize what is a spiritual battle? And, of course, why we're doing this study. Because we need, to, we need to understand that. Because there's power. His power. Okay? What else? What else is key here that should be guiding our thinking besides being strong in His power? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Anymore. And what does that mean? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What does that mean? It's against rulers, authorities, the powers of the dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil. Ah. Things that are unseen. <laughs> Thank you for... For just reading that. I know. The point is, and here's the point. And here's the point: is you take a look at which is what in these three verses should be guiding our thinking. All of it. That's why you should read these three verses before you come on Wednesday night. Just read the three verses and get it. Just get it seared into your head and into your heart, relative to the fact that you can be strong, not losing any ground. How? In the power of the Lord, not yours. Because everybody sitting here has had something that has come up that has been a battle spiritually, and you've tried to deal with it in your strength, and it's gone in the toilet, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we try to approach it from our strength first, and then we go, oh, I could have had a V8. Where, did, where are we supposed to start? God. In the strength and in the power of the Lord, not ours. It's spiritual warfare. So these three verses in their totality are critically important when it comes to the struggles 
versus our personal responsibility for the things that we do and say and think. Because our, is every problem in your life a spiritual problem? Scotty is shaking his head no. And, okay. I like to think it is. <laughs> but a lot of it has to do with your own choices. Okay. Okay. So a lot of it, a lot of the issues that we have in our life is is that, that we like like the apostle Peter, we open our mouth and we stick our foot in it, don't we? Sometimes. No, I stick both feet in. Oh, both feet. Okay. Okay. Well, some of us have that capacity. (laughs) (laughs) But it becomes very important, doesn't it? Because we have to understand that when we struggle, when we learn that that word struggle in the Greek is hand-to-hand combat by somebody that is overtaking you until they have you on the ground and you can't get up. It's wrestling, Robert said. That sounds like wrestling. Yeah, because it's the same word. Struggles in our life are the same as a wrestling match when it comes to spiritual warfare and the spiritual battles. It's a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And we have to understand that there is, a, there is a struggle and there is a personal responsibility component to that. Not everything is a spiritual struggle. Some of it is because we're just plain... You fill in the blank. Stupid. Stupid, okay. <laughs> Stubborn, stupid, the two S words. That, that'll suffice for now. There becomes, as we were reviewing what we looked at last week, there becomes this point at which accepting personal responsibility versus justifying what our behavior and our actions. Because if we don't take responsibility, what are we generally doing? Spending a lot of time justifying what we're doing. Or saying, Right? That's what we do as human beings, all right? And then, of course, the other thing that we have to deal with, there are three components to this. There is accepting personal responsibility. There is justifying our behavior and our actions and or just blaming the devil for everything. So we have to be really discerning because you're going to have struggles in your life that are going to go into one of those categories, generally speaking. But we have to be very careful not to blame the devil because the devil did not make you do it all the time. You made you do it all the time. If it's an area where you need to take personal responsibility, right? Other times, it is a full-on assault. Mike, ever had one of those? A full-on assault? Yeah, everybody in this room has had a full-on assault. Sometimes it's from the sometimes it's a frontal assault, and sometimes it's from the rear, isn't it? It sneaks up on you and whacks you upside the head. You didn't even know it was coming. So, do you consider that the worldly things that you are exposed to, listen to this question carefully, do you consider that the worldly things that you are exposed to and or things that you do, do you ever consider what the genesis of those things are? What the root of the things are that you do that are worldly? I'm not talking about things that are glorifying God now. I'm talking about the opposite. And I just want to stop there. A chance to, to answer that. Do you consider where these things come from that you that you do? From sin nature. Okay, from a sin nature. From the uh, attraction of the world and its value 
attraction <coughs> the values of the world the things that are who who has experienced something that is worldly that is actually quite fun and satisfying <laughs> oh yeah because what is the thing that is most prevalent about sin and spiritual warfare Deception. Deception. So we looked last week at this story in Second Kings, didn't we? Where we were looking at this invisible war and we saw Elisha and we saw how God opened the eyes. First, God made provision. Elisha didn't know that God was going to make provision as he was going to be attacked by an army, but God had a bigger army. And then God not only showed his servant, his right-hand man, he opened his eyes enough so that he could see this invisible army that God had provided for them to protect them. And then he closed his eyes similarly. And then what did he do? He blinded the eyes of the army that came from the king that was after Elisha that wanted to kill Elisha, right? And he, God blinded him. There was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here of both the invisible and the invisible world. It was real. That you can't, you have to understand that these biblical stories are not a fairy tale. These are real stories in God's word where an army supplied by God that was invisible was real. It was the real deal. See, it happens all the time. Things in the invisible realm. We just don't see it. Do we? We don't see it. Does that mean it's not real? Of course not. Of course it's real. <coughs> How do you know it's real? Well, they don't see God. Oh, but you believe in Him. That's right. <laughs> oh, that, isn't that interesting? See, it fascinates me that we could believe in the God of all creation, who is spirit, who is not seen. And we would believe him and is the basis for our being here. And yet there are people in church that would say, oh, I believe in God. But this whole spiritual warfare thing and this invisible world and this and the spiritual world that's out there, I, I can't. That's too much science fiction for me. No. Huh? Interesting. Last week, we even heard about the story, speaking of Doris, of Doris's husband, Frank, who, who was confronted walking down the street and was going to get robbed, and they didn't get robbed because there was these three or four thugs that were going to rob them, and later, one of the thugs came up to them later on and said, we didn't, we didn't rob you because man, there were some big dudes with you. Frank didn't know anything about it. Invisible. It's a powerful thought when you think that God is doing thing in the it, doing lots of things behind the scenes in the invisible realms. So turn to Hebrews thirteen, the first two verses in Hebrews thirteen. Because there are a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes and there are a lot of invisible activities. Here's one that maybe you have been exposed to. 
Would somebody read the first two verses in Hebrews 13? Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Wait a minute. Aren't angels invisible, aren't they? must be. Sometimes. Sometimes. According to this verse, in the angelic realms, are angels invisible? Huh? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're not going to talk on angels here, but what we are going to do is we are going to understand that both in the Old and the New Testament, God's Word speaks clearly of things happening in the spiritual realms that are both invisible and visible. Hence, Elisha and an army. Pastor Frank and his bodyguards, they were both invisible and visible. Frank never saw them the thugs that wanted to steal their wallets and maybe beat them up, I don't know, maybe they were going to kill them for all we know, ran because of the bodyguards that Frank never saw. One incident, visible and invisible. Now, I thought a lot about this since last week, and, and I thought, I haven't shared this story with anybody other than Pastor Richie and Pastor Tyler. But I decided that I prayed about it and I decided I'm going to share it with you tonight. Because I had an experience in this building on a Wednesday night with some of you present. And a young man, a year and a half ago, walked in the door and we didn't know who he was. And he was a very personable young fella. And we were sitting in the round like this, or the square. And he came and he sat right there you remember that? And he was the nicest young fellow. And he was engaging. And he was asking questions. And he didn't open his Bible. And he knew scripture. And I thought, this is really cool. But here's the rest of the story that I haven't shared with you. You all left and went home. And I was here with this young man. And I was... I suppose, entertaining him. I didn't know if he was homeless. I didn't have any idea where he came from. And when you all left, this man stood up, young man, young fellow, stood up and said, will you stand with me? And I thought things were going to start getting a little weird at that point. <laughs> and I didn't have Tyler in the back of the room for protection. <laughs> And the man laid hands on me. And he said, will you walk down the center row of this church with me? And then he laid hands on each one of these pews. pews. And he prayed over them. And, and then he began to prophesy about this church. And he said things that there is no way that a guy walking off the street would know. And of course, I was a deer in headlights. <laughs> and this was happening for an hour as we were in here by ourselves. And I, I was really quite unsure what to do next, actually. Um, but it seemed, it seemed good 
because he was praying and prophesying and and the prophecy was I will share with you now I can he was prophesying about people that were going to come here and he was prophesying about the leadership of this church and he was prophesying about things that have now happened and I asked him where are you going and he asked me if I could take him to where he was staying and I said yes so I put him in my pickup truck and I drove him to Camp Ramon the Jewish camp the Jewish camp and I took him to the back gate and I said the gate is locked and he said no problem and here's where it gets really interesting if you're not intrigued like I have been for a year and a half or almost two now he got out of my truck thanked me and he walked straight into the orchard and there was a road and he walked and then just I don't want to shake this wrong way. He just disappeared. He just disappeared. He vanished. And I just sat in my truck. <coughs> it was dark. The lights were on. I was looking, and I at, at first I was thinking, well, maybe he went behind one of the orange trees. And I realized that wasn't the case at all. I realized that what had just happened, and I was freaked out. <laughs> and so this is now like 11:30 at night. And so, you can imagine what I did next. I called Richie. <laughs> at 11.30 at night, because it was a profound experience. And this is the first time that I've shared that publicly. Because a man walked through that door, sat on a, on a corner seat, was engaged in our Bible study, and prayed over this church, prophesied over this church, and then disappeared out of my sight, like like vanished, like things that you read about, mm -hmm. but you don't experience, and it was experienced. Mm -hmm. I say all of that because as I've been thinking through and praying about struggles, anybody have a struggle in their life? <laughs> struggles in my Christian walk about leadership and Bible study and just issues about trying to be a godly man and trying to and, and, and being disappointed when I blow it and all the stuff of our Christian walk the reality is that the invisible world is very real very real and we cannot discount everything that God has for us in the heavenly realms. It's powerful. That may have impacted me more than anything that has impacted me as an event in the six and a half years since God, God started this church. Amazing. It makes the study of spiritual warfare real because you see that was the positive side of what happened to Elijah. Elijah had an army that God supplied. I believe that God brought this man because of what? Because of where I was. Because of where I was. And he spent two or three hours with me because of something that God saw that what I needed to see. 
to get out of the theoretical and into the real. That's real. So let me ask you this. How much more do you need to know to understand and believe? And I don't mean believe, but believe with conviction kind of belief. That there is a huge, invisible world, spiritually, happening all around us, all the time. How much more do you need to know? I know. I know. You don't need any more? I would say you need more just to reinforce it. Because there's times they're going to get in there to you. And so you need, just like Bible said, why do you come to come reinforce your belief? Amen. I understand that, but I don't think I need any more clarification that it's there. That it's there, there, that it's real. So everybody here understands. And you see, because that becomes really the basis. Back to Ephesians uh, 6, 10 through 12. The basis for everything we're doing for the next several weeks is those just those three verses. We have, we have scripture. Have you ever considered that when you're reading 2 Kings... Now, none of you in this room have read 2 Kings until we opened it last week. Probably in a really long time. <laughs> it's not a place that... Yeah, you probably just don't go there on a real regular basis, do you? Right, Daddy? Right. Right. So, we looked at it last week, and we tend to look at it, and we read the story. Don't we? And yet we believe that this is God's Word. Accurate. Authentic. True. Inherent. Inspired. But we read the story. And isn't that nice that God provided a whole bunch of, maybe thousands of, of men armed with horses and chariots to protect two guys that were important to him, <laughs> Elisha and his servant. He did it a lot of times. My point is, it's the story. We read the story. That's why the reinforcement is so important. Even when we believe it, the reinforcement becomes really, really important. The thing is, that army is around us all the time. All the time. And so, how do we access the army that is available to us all the time? Prayer. Hmm? Prayer. Prayer. We're going to not only understand what putting on the full armor means, we're going to learn by the time we're done with the study how to do it. Because we're understanding the why part now. We have to build up the why. Reinforce the why, right, Ken? We have to reinforce the why. And the reason we have to do that is because when we get to the point where we understand putting on the full armor of God, 
the helmet of salvation, the belt of righteousness, when we understand what that means in practical ways, because we still think about it in theoretical ways, the same way we think about the story in Second Kings, where we look at Elisha and we go, oh, isn't that nice? But I can't relate. I think God wants to teach us how to relate. You see, because it's real, and that's the point. The point is, this is real. Your struggles are real. Spiritual warfare is real. The invisible world is real. The warfare that's going on, the armies that are available to us, that may or may not be around us all the time. God, does he want to protect us all the time? Do we still get involved in battles in the spiritual realms? Of course we do. Okay? And it's no different. Things haven't changed since Second Kings was written 6,000 years ago. Okay? And that's kind, of the, that's kind of the point. Because the things that we're struggling with, we can overcome. If, what? <laughs> if we pray and put on the armor. So many of the issues that we have in our life would just be resolved if we would just get out of the way. <laughs> we would pray and put on the full armor of God. That's why we're doing this. Because it's real and it's important. And so, if you take a look at this... this we had some scriptures last week, and I'm, we're not going to hit them all, but I want to hit a few of them because it becomes really important. We're not going to leave this until it is seared in like a branding iron. Two places. <laughs> One branding iron in our brain and the other branding iron in our heart. And it's the same brand. We have to get this seared into our heads and into our hearts that this is real. Because the struggles that we have, because there isn't a person in this room that I haven't had at least some conversation with that hasn't said that, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> you know, about something that's going on in your life, right? Okay. I mean, if you're breathing, you've had that experience. Okay. <laughs> no matter what it is, you've had it. Colossians 1. So, I have a suggestion at the top of our paper that you give us each week mm -hmm. to put those words on here and to start our Bible study each week with those verses. Put on your, And if we start and all of us say those verses without fail every week, pretty soon it's like memorizing a verse. Yeah. We won't... We'll have that in us to where Great idea. we won't forget it. I mean, it's like Great idea. kids in, like John 3.16, we can say it, you know, without, any, backwards, huh? without any doubt. Yeah. But if you put that on the top of these papers every week, and that's what we start with, no matter what the rest of it goes. Because right now, I can't remember all, all of what that was that we just... The, you know, well, don't feel bad because I can't remember what I had for lunch. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. That's a great idea, Brenda. It's a great idea. If you can do that, it would really help for us to learn that. And uh, It is the basis for everything that we're going to be looking at. Okay? It's, it is the basis. But if we saw those words and started right after the prayer, start with that, with that right there. We can do that. That would really help, I think. We can do that. It'll help me. Perfect. If it'll help you, 
we'll do it. Thank you. Because if it'll help you, it'll help you. Probably me too, okay? It'll help us all. In Colossians, just we're, just gonna, we're gonna cherry pick a few of these verses. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Mrs. Roll. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Does that verse summarize anything for you? Because when I read scripture, I like to take the key words, the key concepts, and then the key application of those things and think through them. I highlighted the word invisible in the NIV. But created, heaven, earth, powers, rulers, authorities, for him... By him, before all things. Wow. That's two verses in Colossians here that are talking about the things in the invisible world that are... that Because Jesus is the image. Okay? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This powerful, powerful stuff relative to this invisible world that we're dealing with. I, I like, you don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians, there's a lot of good stuff in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians um, uh, chapter 10, uh, one of the, uh, let's just go there, I'm just gonna, I'll just read a couple of verses to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, uh, listen to what, who wrote 2 Corinthians? Some guy, I think this was a guy that wrote a lot of it. Yeah, some guy named Paul. That's who it was. Some guy named Paul. And he says to the church in Corinth, not a church, the church in Corinth. There was a lot going on behind the scenes in Corinth. There was warfare going on in Corinth. There was persecution in a big way that we don't know nothing about, guys. There's nobody in this room that's been persecuted for what you believe. I mean, really. Maybe a little bit. But not compared to what was going on here or what goes on elsewhere in the world today. But listen to what Paul says. I beg you that when I come, just listen to the words. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Standards are always changing. <laughs> What's the standard? You see, the Paul was Paul was his heart ached for these people. He's writing to the church because then, right after that, he says that listen, you're living by the standard of the world. But what's the standard? Yeah, what's the standard? He says, man, you guys, I'm I'm heartbroken because some people. I'll paraphrase, in the church, who think that we live by the standards of the world. But he says, for, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. 
or control or just maybe maybe it's maybe it's just a little sin but if I just put it under here a little sin little sin okay maybe I can put it under here and nobody sees it but that's a lie from the devil right because it doesn't matter if anybody here sees it I mean, and, and we're and we're bound by that. It's the strongholds that we're trying to get rid of. And Paul is saying this, and, and in Ephesians we've got what we need, which is where we're going with all of this. We're going to get to Ephesians, and we're going to learn in very practical ways how to break those things down by putting on the armor. You see, if you put on the armor, it can't be penetrated. That's the point. But in this church, some people thought that they could live by the standards of the world. If they heard about the armor, they weren't concerned about it. If they were concerned about it, they were concerned about it too late. And by the time they put the armor on, the damage had been done. Ah. Where is that the most evident? That the damage is done. In what class of people in the world is the most damage done by Satan himself? Atheist. Atheist. Any unbeliever. Amen? Any, unbe- any unbeliever. Second Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We see that in Colossians. We see that in Corinthians. We see that throughout even the Old Testament. The Old and the New Testament. It's all about... Jesus is his coming and our salvation and why he came and who he defeated and the victory that we already have. So don't forget that because we're fighting this from victory, not for it. So the idea here is that really even Paul in Second Corinthians when he was talking about, remember the thorn in his side? Do you remember what Paul said about the thorn in his side in Second Corinthians? He said, ouch. He wanted it gone, didn't he? He did say, ouch, in a a roundabout way. He says, God, could you take this from me? We're talking about the Apostle Paul now. Will you you ask him if if he's coming soon? Because it's been a long way. I'm sorry. Well, it's a good thing that Carl's not here. Uh, Carl. <laughs> I thought it was a good thing Richie was here. Paul had this thorn in his side, and it was and and do you remember what the battle was? In that story? I'm gonna attach your memory without you going there to read it. He asked God to take it, and God said, No, my Grace is sufficient for you. Right. Exactly right. And before he said that, though, before he said that, Paul said this. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, no matter if you have a thorn in your side. Deal with it. He said, Paul said, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, remember this part, you're going to remember it. In order to keep me from becoming uh, conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Here's the key. 
a messenger from Satan to torment me. Paul was okay even with the torment in the spiritual realms because God was teaching him that his grace was sufficient. What's your thorn in the invisible realms, in the spiritual realms? Everybody in this room has a thorn. There is a thorn in your side. See, that's something really important to think about because it might be overindulgence in something. I mean, what could it be? You don't have to be specific about your thorn, but what are some of the thorns that could be in our side, like Paul? Unbelief. Unbelief? Help me with my unbelief. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Okay, unbelief. Anything you were going to say? Anything Anything in the context of your sinful nature, whether it's covert or overt, something I do or something I don't do, but I should. I mean, come on, we got to look in the mirror. Control freak. Being a control freak. Pride. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, we, we got to, we have to deal with these things. And it's once you identify it, you see, then God can start addressing that struggle because he'll use the struggle. I mean, we had a great conversation about the things that we struggle with. And is God using that struggle? There it is. A messenger from Satan to Paul, a thorn in your side, buddy, because my grace is sufficient for you. Oh, I think we ought to do a series on grace. Because <laughs> I don't think we even understand grace. Grace in the church today is cheap. Not for Paul. What about us? When we think about these things, I think we need to. Because in the spiritual realms, you see... Satan and his demons are behind what? Evil, all of it. Evil. Unbelief, Ernie. Satan is behind unbelief. I believe. Seriously? You ever run across a Christian? Said they're a believer? Hmm. Well, you may be a believer, but that's not your conviction. I mean, you don't say that, but that's what you're thinking. Come on, be honest. Come on, we've all done it, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Somebody can say they're a believer in that, but are they really walking that way? Are, are they, they walking? You, all you got to do is look at it sometimes and say, what, you're a Christian? Yeah, be careful. Now look at our. Now look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. See, that's what I like to do. Because whenever I have that thought about somebody else, I always like to put the mirror in front of me and say, "Okay, Burr, what about you, dude? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Mister Holier Than Thou?" Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think Paul was humble because the grace of God was sufficient for him in all things. All things. Every struggle he had. Yeah including whatever this thorn was that we're not sure of. But because all of these things, unbelief, deception, fear, what else? False teaching we just finished. Mm -hmm. 
a series on what book was that? Oh, let me see. I think it was First John, as I recall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of I'm pretty sure I remember that. There was a lot of unbelief in when John said, "Hey, they're not of us." They said they were. No, they weren't. He said, that's why they're going. They're not of us. That was a struggle for that church. False teaching, persecution, First John. Oh, look at that. A verse in First John. We have to turn to First John, and we're going to finish this uh, with First John 5.19. First John 5.19. Maybe we can get a male voice to read it this time. We've been so dominated by female leaders that... We know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil. Any questions? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't John just pretty much solidify this for you in terms of what's going on with the spiritual battles in your life, the thorns in your side... The fact that you're struggling with even not wanting to put the mirror in front of yourself and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm, you know, you ever do that? Yep. Well, some ladies do it all the time. Men don't like to look at themselves in the mirror. But, but, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror spiritually, okay? You know, the crazy thing is, I actually do that physically. It's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable to look at yourself in the bathroom mirror or any mirror. Look at yourself and ask these questions. Because, man, when you're staring back at yourself, it's a challenge. But I would submit to you, it's a positive challenge that God can use. Because there isn't one of these questions that you don't want to answer in the affirmative. No, Lord, I, I do want to glorify you with my life. No, Lord, I, 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 am, I do want to repent. No, Lord, that struggle that I'm having, I do need you to, to take it. And whatever action I need to take. And you're staring yourself in the mirror when you're talking to God? Mm -hmm. I challenge you to do that. Well, Ooh. Admitting you Ooh. have a problem is always the first step. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it, though? Yeah. Yeah, really powerful. I know that I'm challenged by those things. And you see, it's, it's, it's really important for us to understand these realities. And I think that we do, so I think that we can move on. But why is it important for us to understand these realities? There's one really important reason that we need to understand the reality of the invisible world that exists around us in the spiritual realms. Invisible war. Excuse me? Invisible war. Because what? Because of the invisible Because of the invisible war. Okay, we know there is an invisible war, but why is it important to understand that that's a reality? I guess that's my question. It's easy. Well, it, it validates that we really are following God. Because if we didn't have that, um, we would not... Uh, after I became a Christian, then I started to want to do the right things. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> I was just failing and I was flailing and whatever. And I just realized there's this struggle going on here. And there, it's, it was spiritual, definitely. And it hasn't stopped, actually. And, and so it validates 
Isn't that crazy? The crazy thing is, is that you see there's an invisible world and there is a, there is a spiritual war that's going on around us, whether you believe it or not. And to the extent that we, that we are being bombarded, in, 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 in fact, the fact that we are having a battle is the validation that you're already fighting it from the victory. Because you, don't, because you already believe. You see, and so the, 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 the fact that we're in this invisible world makes us, as believers, much more vulnerable to the battles. Where is the emphasis then of Satan who is in control according to 1 John 5.19 the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That would be the devil. That is Satan. And so where does he start? Who is he most unhappy with? Christian believers. Y'all? We give him problems. Yeah. You. You're in Mexico, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're stepping out in faith. You've never done anything like that, right? You prepared for the battle. Yes, amen, sister. Amen. Why? 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 Why should we be praying for you because of that? Because he's going to try to give me all these doubts and keep me from. <laughs> amen. You want a battle? Step out in faith. Remember what I said a couple of weeks ago? This pastor that I've been reading lately, great Asian guy, and he's got a, you know, from the pulpit, he said, I'm going to get up every morning because he was dealing with some struggles. And this is a guy that came from a really bad background. Because he came out of the worst of the worst. And God got a hold of him, and now he's a pastor. And he says, I get up every day because of the spiritual battles in my life. I get up every day, and my goal is to piss Satan off. <laughs> he said that from the pulpit. You know, I freak out. I can't come here, probably. But the point is, we can say that on a Wednesday night, can't we? But the point is, you've you got to take the point. I, I know the, the language is rough, and I get that. I get that. But sometimes, for emphasis, it's okay. And so... Pastorally speaking, this was a man that was trying to make a point with his message that how are you going, how is, what are you going to do that is going to make Satan really upset with you today, the next five minutes, next week, for the rest of the year? Glorify God. And then be prepared for the battles that are going to come. Because they're coming. Uh, years ago, Frank Christensen told me when God cast Satan out of heaven, he wound up in the back row of the choir. <laughs> and, and at the time, I told Frank, yeah, all you got to do is look at Ernie and Bobby. <laughs> we landed there. <laughs> yeah, all well, you guys were in the back row. Yeah. <laughs> we never know where it's, where it's coming from, but we know it's coming. We don't know. We know where it's coming from. Let me well, correct yeah. that. We we don't know when it's coming or or what form it's going to take. But I can tell you that it's important, and we're going to move on. But it's important to understand this this idea because uh, the idea is reality, and the reason it's important to understand it is because if your pendulum, and I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here, 
based on the question that I asked three weeks ago of this group. I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say that based on what you told me before and based on what I believe I know, your pendulum, personalize this now. When I say your, I mean y'all. <laughs> I'm including myself in this same bucket. Your pendulum had swung over to the side of not very much emphasis on the spiritual realms, spiritual warfare, spiritual battles. Could I? Am I correct by going out on that limb? Because you see, that is the most common denominator in the church. We're happy. Be happy. What's, how's that sound? Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Be happy. And so we're just happy. And, and, and we have dumbed it down in the church to the point where churches are filled with nominal believers because of the fact that we just... Oh boy, it's just so nice and it's so easy and we're wealthy. Aren't we? <laughs> you went to Haiti, didn't you? Are you filthy rich or what? Yeah, there you are. Yes, you are filthy rich. And then yet, I'll bet you, I'm, can I pick on you for a second? <laughs> you probably struggle with and worry about paying the bills and making sure there's no money to go, right? <laughs> I don't know anybody that doesn't do that, okay? I mean, it always seems like, oh, oh, oh so much a struggle. Is there enough to go around? <laughs> you know? It always seems, oh, Lord, couldn't there just be a little more? You know? And yet, we're filthy rich. Mm-hmm. By what standard do we live? That's the, that's the point that Paul was making in the letter to the church at Corinth. You got it messed up, man, is what he said, in a paraphrased kind of a way. Because he said, he said that some people, he didn't want to be too tough on them, but he knew he was going to have to be, because he said some people think that we live by the standards of the world. But you don't. But your money struggle, I'm, I'm, now I'm just being hypothetical, but your money struggle uh, is, is an issue of what? The world. The world. What's the standard? I don't know about you, but I can get rid of a whole bunch of junk. But I, I like it. I like my stuff. Don't you like your stuff? Brenda, do you like your stuff? I like my stuff. I like my stuff. Okay. There's a lot of stuff I need to get rid of. Okay. I need to get rid of my stuff. Though. We could all do. With, we could all do I with less stuff. There. Yeah. We could do with less stuff. The point is, is that we have not placed the right emphasis on this. We have, in terms of spiritual warfare, because now we're going to start cranking it up a couple of notches, guys. Okay. We've got to do the easy part. We really need to crank it up a couple of notches because if we're in this war, this spiritual war, we know that Diana said earlier from Ephesians 6.12 that our struggle is what? Not against... And rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world and the flesh and blood. That's not what the struggle is uh, uh, is about. It's a, the, the, what it is about is it, it, it is about the rulers and the authorities in the world. It is about the evil one. It is about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's not exactly a comforting thought. 
So if your pendulum has swung all the way over here and it's been a little easy, uh, you got some hard questions to ask. I mean, let's, let's just get real. You know me. I'm a real kind of a guy. There's no reason to beat around the bush. Let's just call it the way it is. It comes from Scripture. It's not my opinion. And so Scripture says that our struggles are not against each other. Our struggles aren't against each other. It's, a, it's the evil one. The root of the whole thing is the evil one. Because he is, according to 1 John 5, in control of the world. And you can't live in this world by the standard of this world. And not just struggle through it. <laughs> I don't even like that. And it's true. I mean, it sounds funny, but you know, if I were God, I wouldn't have, if I were God, I would have fixed this already. Good thing I'm not God. <laughs> because he's got a lot to teach me yet. Because I'm dense in a lot of ways, spiritually. And so I have a lot to learn. But it's not comforting to know that this, these battles are going on. It's also not comforting to know that the problems that you have in your life, a lot of them, are your own darn fault. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a whole lot of other ones are caused by the enemy. Right? Okay, there's some of both. There's some of both. But the overwhelming thought of things happening in the spiritual realms that are causing these problems and yet we are not equipped to deal with it because we under the carpet. We, we want to sweep it under the carpet because sometimes it's just too hard, isn't it? To look at yourself in the mirror. It's for me. 2 Timothy 2.3 The Bible calls you a number of things. Saint Diana. Priest Robert. What else? A soldier. Huh. Look at that. Second Timothy two three. Join me in suffering. Robert, I'm so reminded of our conversation the other night. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. See, all your suffering is not a bad thing. Right? Mm -hmm. You ever thought about it that way, Scotty? Anything you're suffering? Yeah, no, but seriously. Mm -hmm. Paul suffered. Had a thorn in his side. Messenger of Satan. Mm -hmm. So that God could finally say, uh, just a reminder, my, my son, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay? So what are your suffering for? God can use your suffering. God can use your past. Don't live there. But he can use it. Okay? Well, and oftentimes when he gives you a negative, mm -hmm. the next thing he gives you is a positive. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really interesting because in 2 Timothy 2.3, he says, join me in suffering. Huh? Like a good soldier of Christ. Join me in suffering. Mike, 
You ready to join me in suffering? <laughs> Gee, can't we do something else? <laughs> I mean, isn't that your first thought? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Can't we do something else, Bill? I mean, really. Do we really need to be in suffering together here? I mean, that's what he says, though. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. But then what does he say in the next verse? No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. I love that. So that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. I, I challenge you to go back to you don't have to turn that I challenge you to go back to 2 Corinthians 10 in the second verse where Paul says some people in the church who think that they can live by the standards of this world are messed up like a Chinese fire drill that's a paraphrase because they're trying to live by the standards of the world my stuff there's nothing wrong with stuff I don't feel bad that I have stuff. I sometimes think I have too much stuff. Okay, so don't don't we'll ask him. Don't miss yeah. But seriously, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. It's not the stuff that's bad. It's the love of the stuff that's bad. If I can't get rid of my stuff, I love my stuff. If I love my stuff, I am of the world. Okay, not just in it. I am of it if my stuff becomes idolized and I can't seem to get rid of it. It takes you away from God. Exactly right. And so here <coughs> in Second Timothy, he says, man, there is some suffering, dude. You ready for that? In the spiritual realms? Mm, yeah. I mean, really, seriously. I mean, be honest with me, Mike. You want to suffer with me? For God? Huh? <laughs> Scotty? You want to come along then? <laughs> Challenging question, isn't it? Challenging question. But we also know in Ephesians 6.13 it says to put on the full armor of God, right? Put on the full armor of God. Because there are eternal consequences as we wrap up here. How much of your life is impacted by the invisible war and the spiritual warfare that is going on around you? How much? As much as you allow. Okay. As much as you allow. That's one. That's, that's one. I would say all of it. You say all of it. Anyone else? Well, a soldier is... Oh, a soldier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if he's out in combat, it's 24 hour combat, but that's 24 7. No, no, I know you do. And so I get your answer. And your answer is a, your answer is appropriate. The the truth of the matter is one hundred percent of your life is impacted by spiritual warfare. One hundred percent. I agree with that. Even when you're asleep, your life is impacted. One hundred percent of the time. Why? Because it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. What goes on? The spiritual battle. They don't exactly. 
They don't rest. They don't rest. They don't rest. The spiritual battle is not just against me. It's against everybody here and everybody else in the world. That's right. Satan never gives up. That's right. It never stops. Do you ever think about it that way, though? Betty, do you think about it? The fact that there's a spiritual battle going on at your apartment all the time? Do you think about that? I came over to your house the other day and you had the you had the God Squad, I call it the God Squad. You had the God Squad on TV. So, you know, she's got the channel there with there's all kinds of crazy creatures going on on that channel, right? I call it the God Squad channel. I thought what? <laughs> Christian channel? TVM. Christian channel? TVM, this has been a while ago. So, you don't remember? Yeah, I know. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> There's a battle going on when you got that on your television or on your radio or you're listening to worship music or your whatever it is. There's a battle. Never ends. 24-7-365. It's not a comforting thought. It's not a comforting thought. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. That's right. That's not a comforting thought. It's God is victorious. That's the comforting thought. Mm-hmm. And he it supplies us with the weapon and to deal with it. It's just whether we use those. Exactly. Okay, let's turn to Second Corinthians since there's a lot of good stuff in Second Corinthians. You're probably already pretty close to there. You know where Second Corinthians ends. It's right after first <laughs> Corinthians. <laughs> and if you go to Second Corinthians ten three. We may even end with this scripture because it's powerful in terms of how you can walk out of here without even understanding how to put on the full armor of God. Yet, we're going to get there, though, because that's awesome, man. I'm telling you, I love Ephesians. It's so practical when we get there to talk about this spiritual battle because we don't have to fear any of it, none of it. We just have to learn who the enemy is, how he operates, and the tools that God has already given us. And in the real practical realm, when our pendulum swings in the middle and we find out how real this really is, and that... The vast majority of the issues that we're going through in our life, the struggles that we're having in our life, they're done. They're dealt with. It's over. We're the ones that carry it along. When we learn how to put on the armor in a practical, daily way, it's like praying without ceasing, right? Some people have learned how to do that. It's a condition of your heart. You don't just stop and pray all day long and never eat or sleep. It's a condition of your heart. And so is putting on the armor of God. We're going to learn how to do that. But if you look at 2 Corinthians 10, read 3, 4, and 5. You want to do that, Matt? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we take captive what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Sally, did you hear that? <laughs> we bringing in the New King James it says bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. To, to uh, the obedience of Christ. Mm-hmm. In the New Living Translation, that verse reads this way. We are human. 
But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, I want you to close your Bibles and we're going to close with this because I paraphrase that on a real personal level. Pardon me, it's kind of like a Peterson thing. I know how you feel about Peterson. That's okay. Because you see, the spiritual battle that we're in is personal, which is where we're headed next. It's personal. Scott indicated that it never ends. And the enemy is unhappy with all of us. For all kinds of reasons. Primarily because we're saved. And you can't do a thing about that. <laughs> huh? We're elect. Okay. But we're going to personalize this. I'm going to read it from the New Living. And then I'm going to read it in a paraphrase that I wrote today. And I just want you to listen to this. Because I want you to personalize it. First from the New Living Translation again. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, think about your life in a very personal way. And listen to this. I am human, but I don't wage war as humans do. I use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of my human reasoning and to destroy false arguments from the evil one. I destroy every proud obstacle that keeps me from knowing God more intimately. I capture those rebellious thoughts and turn to obey Christ. And that is a personalization that I think is important to capture because so often when our pendulum has swung to the easy side of spiritual warfare where we haven't given it much thought when we don't personalize it you see the devil will every time he knows your very vulnerable weakness and will exploit it to make you nuts and bring doubt and confusion and you name it that's what he uses but if you personalize it by bringing the pendulum and understanding a biblical world view of what is happening behind the scenes 
in your light. Don't point to others. You know what? If we get ourselves right, isn't it amazing how all kinds of things just fall into place? We're always trying to think about others, though. Boy, you know, if that Robert would only... When what we're really saying when we do that is, boy, when I do that, that sure is a deflection, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> isn't it, though? Mm-hmm. I, and, I, I, and I love that, because we have to look in the mirror. It has to be personal, because as it's personal, we'll understand that we have every opportunity. That's where the eyes are okay. I'm human. Admit it. I'm engaged in spiritual warfare. Just admit it. I have at my disposal every weapon that God has provided at my disposal all the time to destroy the strongholds in our lives that keep us bound up. That keep us bound up. And I can capture those rebellious thoughts only as I turn in obedience to Christ. That's what we have. Acts of obedience in our life. Amen? To destroy the strongholds. My prayer as we leave here tonight is that we understand that the battle is personal. It's very personal. Mine is not yours, and yours is not mine. We need to spend much less time on other people's battles and much more time on our own. In obedience to Christ. Because that's where the freedom comes from. Even if you have a thorn that was a messenger from Satan that God is not going to allow to be taken away from you and you just accept it because you understand that His grace is completely sufficient for you and me. Amen.